You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to plan the travel experiences you'll have once you arrive. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, excursions, and more in one place. There are over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from, so you can find something for everyone. And Viator offers free cancellation and 24-7 customer support for worry-free travel. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. Save big money now on new siding from LP Smart Side at Menards. Update and beautify your home with your choice of 13 timeless colors of pre-finished engineered siding. It's durable and includes a Sherwin-Williams factory finish paint warranty that means no painting for years to come. View our entire selection of siding from LP Smart Side today. And don't forget to check out our flyer on Menards.com for all the great deals happening now. Save big money at Menards. Welcome to Strange Familiars. How are you tonight, Allison? I'm fine. We've got a really good show tonight. We're going to be talking with Jeff, who has some great stories. But before we get into that, I want to mention a few things. I got the mock-up for the Strange Familiars hoodies, and they look great. So if you want one, and you want one, don't you, Allison? Yeah, of course. (laughs) (laughs) Everyone needs a Strange Familiars hoodie. Someone said, why are you making hoodies now at summertime? I was like, don't you wear hoodies at night in the summer? I do. Yeah, when it cools off. Sure. Yeah, if you're out hunting Sasquatch Mm -hmm. in the deep, dark woods, you need a hoodie. Keep yourself warm. So the mock-ups are here. I'm going to take pre-orders for these. We're only ordering as many as people pre-order. So if you want a hoodie, contact me. You can email me. Strangefamiliarspodcast at gmail.com. We can order at least any size small through 3X. I'm not sure... If they go beyond that, somebody asked if they go beyond that. I'm getting that information now, but we can. I know we for a fact we can get any size small through 3X. So if you want one, I'm going to keep the pre-orders open for a week from today. So let me know. Shoot me an email, and we'll get you a price based on your size and location. Because since the USPS changed their postage rates, it's different. It used to be one postage rate no matter where you were in the country. Mm-hmm. So you could just put a single postage rate down. Now it's different for everybody. So... Email me, get in touch, let me know your address, let me know what size you want, and I can get you a price. Podcast at gmail.com. On June 8th, Saturday, we will be at the Metaphysical and Paranormal Expo in Gettysburg, Pennsylvania. That's at the Wyndham Hotel. We'll be there from 9 a.m. to 5 p.m. I will be signing and selling copies of my books. I'll have stuff there for the podcast, art prints, and my music and more. Stop by, say hey. And uh, get a book if you want. Fun time in Gettysburg. Gettysburg's fantastic. If you're into history, it's great. If you're into ghosts and paranormal stuff. If you're into massive amounts of people dying in a short period of time and then turning that into like 
a ghost resort. <laughs> well, it is that's what it Gettysburg. is. Yeah, I mean, uh, that's it is a ghost economy, as we have said before. Yeah, well, a civil war and ghost economy. Yes, but it's uh, it's a great place to visit, and uh, I'm sure this paranormal expo will be a lot of fun too. So stop by and check us out if you're in the area. Joshua Cutchin and I will both be at Fort Fest. That's June 29th and 30th at the Country Inn and Suites, Linthicum Heights, Maryland. I think that's near the airport. Okay. Josh and I will be presenting together. My name's not on the flyer, but Josh wanted me to give the presentation that we gave in Rhode Island with him. So I will be presenting with Josh at that. So I'll be there and I'll have copies of my books there if you want to stop by and see me and Josh. That's June 29th and 30th. So without further ado, let's get to Jeff. This was a real treat for me, this interview. Besides Jeff being a great storyteller, he dropped this flannel bomb on me in the middle of the interview that just blew my mind. He saved it. And didn't tell and you. And I did not know it was coming. So, you know, a lot of times people give me a, at least a little rundown of what they're going to be uh-huh. talking about, you know. He didn't mention this at all. He just saved it and dropped it like a bomb in the middle of this interview, and it just, it really blew my mind. We're talking with Jeff, who has a, it's a possible Bigfoot encounter. It's definitely something strange. And then uh, he's got some related things he wants to tell us as well. So, Jeff, where did this occur? This happened uh, a few miles north of Scranton, Pennsylvania. Uh, I live in a small town near Clark Summit, but you're closer to the area. There's a, a reservoir there that when I was a, a kid in my, in my teens, uh, my friends and I used to fish, and we used to fish it illegally, actually, because it was it's a drinking water reservoir. You weren't allowed to fish there. But there was just some amazing fishing in the lake, and we'd go down there quite often. And they had a an old man that used to patrol. He wasn't necessarily a fishing game warden, but uh, he had an old pickup truck, and you never knew when he was going to be there. He chased us plenty of times. Guys lost fishing equipment and stuff, running through the woods, getting away from him. And uh, my dad also liked to fish very much, and uh, I guess he was always a little jealous of me going down there. <laughs> So he, we hatched the plan, uh, my father, and this is back in 1982, I guess. I, I was about 16 years old. My dad and I spent a lot of time together fishing and working. I worked with my dad for many, many years. Uh, he's passed away now. And we had a pretty good relationship. Locked horns a few times, but, you know, I had a pretty good relationship. And uh, he wanted to fish there in the worst way. So uh, we hatched the plan to go down on a nice summer night when the moon was full, like tonight. So we didn't have to use a lot of lights down there. You know, we could try and get away with fishing without lights. Uh, maybe I should set up a, a, what this reservoir looked like. It's not a big reservoir. Maybe it's a, I guess maybe a half mile long, maybe a little more than that. And maybe, I guess at its widest point, I don't even think it's a quarter of a mile. It, it's probably maybe an eighth of a mile wide. Not a huge reservoir. And you would drive down this dirt road to the reservoir, and then the road would split into a Y. And the uh, the left side would take you down the, you're at the northeast corner of this reservoir, and the left, uh, the left uh, fork would take you down a dirt road, down along the reservoir, all the way to, to the end, which would bring you to a paved road, which actually went over the dam of the reservoir. But if you took a right at the, at the fork in the dirt road, it would take you just a little way, you'd come to a gate, and was always closed, of course, and locked. 
And beyond that gate, the road went all the way to the uh, uh, the northwest corner of the lake where there was a pump house because, like I said, it was a drinking water reservoir. And from that pump house, we would often fish into the woods. Now, the thing is, there's there's houses around here. I mean, you can't see any of the houses from the reservoir itself. There's a lot of woods around it on the east side of the of the lake. I, there's there's a good swath of woods. I'd say at least 200 acres, and there's houses beyond that. And actually, from the west side of the reservoir, there are houses up the hill. You can't see any of them from the lake. I mean, when you're at the lake at night, it's pretty dark there. You see the occasional car go over the dam, and that's about it. Or somebody that might be parking or partying down the dirt road. So. You know, one night come come by that we said, hey, it's a nice nice moonlit night. It's going to be nice tonight. My dad said, you know, what, what do you think about going fishing down the reservoir? I said, yeah, I'm all for it. So uh, we had my mother drop us off. She dropped us off and agreed to come back and pick us up at, I forget what time, maybe 1 o'clock or something like that in the morning. And my dad and I went down there. There was We didn't see the, the old man who patrolled it, so we went about. We walked down to where the pump house was. And uh, we fished down through the woods till it got, we caught a few bass, but it was kind of tough fishing in, in complete darkness in the, through the trees. So we kind of made it back to the, the pump house area. There was a clearing there. They used to cut the grass there and all, and, and it was an easy spot to cast at night. And we fished from there and we caught a bunch of fish and having a good time. Beautiful night out. And boy, it, it turned out to be a really interesting and spooky night because the first thing we heard and we could hear it coming from across the lake was the voice of a man and a woman, but they were, uh, I don't know what they were doing. They could have been making love. They could have been, they could have been something more heinous than that. Cause it, it really sounded almost like a violent sexual encounter. And you could hear her breathing hard. You could hear him breathing hard. Like they were right next to us, but it was a, it was a beautiful night out. The moon is out. They're very calm. You could hear the frogs chirping and, and, uh, and crickets and whatnot. And everything was silent around there except for that. And I was like, wow, like we're looking at each other. You hear that? And they're, they're going at it, whatever they're doing exactly. Like I said, it, it really kind of sounded like a violent sexual encounter. And it was getting louder and louder. And he's breathing heavier and harder. And like, I, I, almost like he was chasing her or and she was like fighting for her life and then their voices just kind of start getting louder and faster and faster and all of a sudden complete silence and a split second after that a dog howled and my father and i looked at each other like what the hell was that i it was just amazing like you know to hear that in the first place and then it stopped abruptly and then a dog howled we said sounded like a dog we thought that was really bizarre so we looked at each other and thought wow that was that was kind of creepy did the house seem to come from the same area as the... As from the, the very same area, yes. And it sounded like it came from across the lake. That's what it sounded like. I mean, the nearest we could tell. Mm-hmm. I mean, we figured, you know, maybe there was somebody parking on there, so we didn't see any cars down that dirt road. Because from our vantage point, if there was a car coming up that dirt road on the east side of the lake, we probably would have saw it, although it could have been parked there before we even got there, I suppose. That was really bizarre to us, you know, and uh, and we and we looked at each other like, oh, that's kind of spooky, and the dog howled, and there's a full moon out. So, you know, all right, so we went on fishing. I mean, nothing to panic about, obviously. But as we're fishing, now, like I said, we're on the, the northwest 
corner of this lake. And, uh, and on the very north end of the lake is the road that we walked down to. Again, it's a dirt road where the gate was. We walked past the gate and walked to this corner of the lake. So as we're fishing longer there and catching fish and, and talking, trying to keep our lights off and watching for any cars that might come by, I don't know if, the, if, if patrolmen would have come by that late at night. I don't know. But, but the funny thing was, I said, Dad, do you hear that? And I could hear somebody walking down the road. I could hear footsteps. And he says, yeah, yeah, I hear it. And we're listening intently. And yeah, I could hear somebody walking down the road. And at the same time, I could also hear, and my dad could hear, a whimpering. And it kind of sounded like a hound dog. You know, a lot of hound dogs kind of have a little whimper to them. Mm-hmm. And that, that's what it sounded like. And, and I said, Dad, I said, I, said, I, I think that might be... Uh, might be the warden, you know, maybe he's got a dog, you know, a hound dog or whatever, and maybe he realized there was somebody out here at the pump house and he's sneaking up on us. And we heard this, I, I want to say, maybe for a, a total of about 10 minutes. And it's like, it's getting closer, Dad. What are we going to do? Because there was, like, really nowhere to go. I mean, it was either run into the dark woods or run up beyond, behind the pump house. Now, there, was a, there were power lines that came down to that pump house, and it was... Well, it wasn't an easy walk up behind the pump house, but I mean, because uh, there was brush and, and boulders and whatnot, I guess you could make your way up there. But, you know, he said, just stay calm. And we're listening, and it's getting closer and closer. The footsteps are getting louder and louder, and the whimpering is getting louder and louder. And I'm certain that it's it's the guard, it's the patrolman, and he's and he's coming up there, and he's, you know, he's going he's gonna to catch us, and we're probably going to pay a fine. And my dad was probably mortified, though I didn't want to say that, because, you know, obviously we weren't supposed to be there. Just as, as it seemed, I said, he's, here, here he comes. He's going to pop right into the clearing, you know, because, you know, he's going to come through the trees. And just as it seemed he would pop into the clearing, completely gone. And, you know, a few minutes go by and we don't hear another sound. Well, we're looking at you like, what the hell? Is it? And my dad's like, do you know it's this, this spooky down here? I said, i never seen anything like this happen down here before. I never heard anything like this. I said, well, what the hell was that? I said, you heard the footsteps, right? He, heard, he agreed. He heard the footsteps. I mean, someone was walking down that road. So, well, whatever. I mean, nobody showed up. We never saw a flashlight coming down the road. Now, I find it hard to believe now, thinking about it, that uh, anyone would walk down that road in the dark. I mean, it's all it's all forest around this road. There's no houses nearby. There's no light other than the moonlight. It's kind of spooky woods down there anyway. I mean, so, I mean, who would walk down there with no flashlight? And, and like I said, he was an old man. I mean, he was, he's going to come up on a couple of people. He doesn't know if they're drunk or drugged up or what's going on, you know? Yeah. So, well, whatever. I mean, it happened, and we just, nothing materialized from it, so we just kept fishing. Oh, it's getting late now, and, you know, we had a few fish on the stringer, and then to our right, in the woods, now this is on the east shoreline of this reservoir, and and uh, there was a good shoreline to fish, but uh, to our right, and I would say uh, probably a good 100 yards away, we heard the most bizarre sound that I have ever heard in my life out in the woods. And I've, I've been in the woods all my life. We, since I was 12 years old or so, I mean, my dad and I fished. I mean, I go walking in the woods just for fun, hiking, walk my dogs. I go out metal detecting, looking for old bottles. I've been in the woods all my life. I love to be out in the woods. I've seen all kinds of animals. I've heard all kinds of animals. I am quite aware of, of some of the bizarre sounds that coyotes make, that 
foxes make, and even deer. Deer make a lot of different noises. Noises that you wouldn't really expect from a deer. Right. But nothing, nothing, Tim, like this. This was absolutely bizarre. We, it, it, I guess the, the only way I could, uh, I could describe it is, well, if you could make a sound sort of like a turkey, I mean, I guess I could try and make the sound, but I'd be making an ass of myself if I did, I suppose. It's up to you. But you... It, <laughs> well. <laughs> if you want to try, that's fine. No judgments, but uh, if not, I understand that too. Well, I, it's kind of like if you made sort of a gobbling noise like a turkey, but at the same time, you have to shake your head violently and sort of let your cheeks flap. Mm-hmm. Now, we joked about it later. I mean, uh, after after this incident happened, we joked about it saying, you know, what did we hear? We, we joked that it was a prehistoric turkey monster. We didn't know what to make of it. <laughs> but we heard the sound, and when we heard it, Tim, I mean, it was loud, it was powerful, and my father looked at me and said, what the hell is that? I said, I have no idea. And, you know, we just stayed in place. I mean, it was, it was like I said, at least 100 yards away from us, I would, I would estimate. And, you know, then a, a couple of moments went by and we hear it again. And he looks at me and says, what in God's name is that? I said, I, 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 don't, I don't know. And, but it was, it, it sounded like it had gotten closer to us. Well, you know, like I'm starting to get a little nervous and we hear it again. And it's definitely closer to us. It's coming towards us. And, you know, I'm like, what are we going to do? And, my father goes, he says, start picking up the stuff. Now, it was getting close to the time that we were supposed to get picked up. He said, start putting the stuff together. Well, we hear it again. And we kept hearing it over, and it's loud, and it's powerful, and it's like, well, I'm, I'm going to hold the phone away from my head and make an ass out of myself just to try and ever entertain everybody, But because it, it was really bizarre. But here, here it goes. All right. <laughs> now, that took a lot out of me just to try and make that and that's as close as i can get to it did you hear that yes i did but uh this was loud and powerful though you were saying very powerful it was very powerful i I can't make it as loud and powerful as it was Mm -hmm. and so we hear it again maybe a fifth time now i'm going to say it's within a hundred feet of us at this point and this last time that it makes the sound we hear another one but this one is up on the hill behind us, up above the pump house. And I can hear that it's way up on the hill, but it's the exact same sound. And my father goes, what the hell is going on here? I said, I, I don't know. So then they're like, one's yelling, the other one's yelling. They're communicating with each other. They're calling each other. It's the same, same kind of vocalization or whatever you want to call it. And this, this one that's closest to us is getting right near the edge of the clearing. In any moment, it's going to break into the clearing. And the other one up on the hill seems to be coming down the hill now. And, you know, I mean, I'm standing there stunned. And my father, my father was a big guy. Uh, he was 6'3", 300 pounds. He was, oh, my God, built like a, you know what kind of house. He was a big dude. And we were picking up the stuff. And my father says, run. And he takes off running. And I'm, I'm trailing behind him. And we ran, man. We ran all the way down that dirt road, all the way until we got to the gate and ran beyond that a little ways till we finally stopped. And, and we walked the rest of the way to the fork of the road just as we got there. 
my mother pulled up and picked us up and we were shook about this. I mean, it was, I don't even know. We didn't know what to make of it. We talked about it many times and like, what the hell did we hear? What was that? And I'm telling you, it was a very powerful, it was, you know, we joked that it was a prehistoric turkey monster, but <laughs> it, and it had that sort of a, a gobbling kind of sound to it, but it was not a turkey. I mean, I've heard many turkey in my life out in the woods. It, this was much deeper and more powerful. And, you know, now I used to listen to Sasquatch Chronicles a lot, and this was back when I used to listen to it on YouTube, and then I found out one day I hear Wes talking that, uh, well, he's not on YouTube. And I'm like, oh, well, <laughs> why uh, Then I figured it all out, and oh, I felt bad about even listening to him on YouTube. But on one of his shows, and I don't remember which one it is, some person had a, had an encounter, and they played a sound, and when I heard it, the chills went down my spine. I was like, oh, my God, that's what we heard. Now, the recording that they had seemed like it was a little further away, not quite as close as we were, but it was so similar. And I'm like, oh, my gosh, I, I can't believe it. I think that we might have been actually been next to several of these creatures. And that really, really amazed me when I, when I kind of realized that. And I, man, I played that vocalization over and over, and I, I played it for my sister. I said, this is what I heard. And it was really, truly amazing. So, I mean, I wish that I had seen something, but we didn't. But that was really creepy. Have you ever heard the, something... the Sierra sounds? I have. Is yeah, that... but it was not It was not like that. It okay. wasn't like stuff I've heard from, like, like the samurai talk. It wasn't really like that. It was, it was more, like I said, it was almost like a gobbling kind of sound, but, you no, know, from a turkey that had a set of lungs on him. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It sounds so weird. Yeah, you know, that was back in, I think, 1982, and okay, I, was I was about gonna, 16. I was going to ask you what year it was. Okay, 82. Yeah, so so a, a couple of years later, you know, like I said, I worked with my dad a lot, and, and, and I was 18 at the time because I was driving. I didn't start driving until I was 18 years old. And uh, my dad and I were working together, and we were on our way home, and uh, we decided to take a ride past the reservoir. Because we both love to fish, and if you're, you know, if you're a fisherman and you're working, you're thinking about fishing. And if you can at least drive by a lake and see a beautiful lake, and and it just makes you feel good. So we decided to drive past the reservoir, just over the dam. I figured was the easiest way to go home, and I uh, drove over the paved road. And and as soon as you get over the dam, well, the paved road goes to the right, but the dirt road on the east side of the lake is on the left. And my dad says, he says, take a left here. I said, oh, okay. It's fine with me. I mean, if it's going to keep us from working for a little while longer and I can relax, that's fine with me. Take a slow right up the dirt road. So I head up the dirt road, and my dad says, pull over here. I said, oh, all right. He says, come on, let's go for a walk. And I thought this was kind of weird. I thought, all right, he wants to walk down by the reservoir, okay. But he says, no. He says, come on this way. And he, we walk across the road, away from the reservoir, up into the woods. And I had no idea why my father was asking me to go up there. So we walk up in the woods a ways, maybe, uh, I don't know, maybe 100 yards up in the woods. And we come to this big rock outcropping, uh, like a set of cliffs, and they were probably maybe 10, 12 feet high, and there was a pond in front of it. The cliffs were basically on the upper side of the, of the hill there, right above this pond. Now, it's not a big pond, maybe about 40 feet in diameter, only about three feet deep, crystal clear water, probably spring-fed at that point, and there was a coating of leaves on the bottom of this pond, and, and it was just beautiful. And we walked up around the back of the pond and up on top of these, these ledges that overlooked the pond. And I, 
we sat down on the rocks and and I said, this is really beautiful. I said, I can't believe all the time, you know, I fished off the reservoir. I had nobody, you know, I had friends that kind of lived in the area and would hang out down at the reservoir once in a while. And no one ever mentioned, mentioned this to me. And I said, how did you know this was here? He says, well, he says, I'm going to tell you a story. So we sat down on, these, on this ledger overlooking this beautiful little pond on a beautiful sunny day. And he says, back in, well, I guess 1965, my dad was going to the University of Scranton at the time. And he said, one of the guys from school who lived in the area took him there. He wanted to show him this pond up there with the cliff behind it. It's a beautiful little spot. So he took my father there back in the mid-60s and took him up to this pond, and they sat in the same ledge at the same spot we were. He says, Tom, that was my dad's name, he said, I want to tell you a story. And the story he told my father, and this is what my dad told me, so I can't verify any of this, but this is what my dad told me. He said, this guy said that there was a young couple that were very much in love and they were on that very ledge that we were sitting on and they got into an argument and the argument turned really nasty and it got violent and he killed her. And I looked at my father like, I can't believe that. I was like, Oh, how did you never tell me that story? Especially after what happened to us down at the reservoir. He says, you know, I don't know, I guess. I just he said, I guess I just put it out of my mind or something. It didn't really mean anything to me, but being that we're going by the reservoir and thinking back about what happened to us the night we were fishing and what we heard, I just thought maybe it might be relevant. He said, But that's not the creepy part of the story, he said. He said the guy told me he says the man and the woman, he didn't give their last name, but he said their first names were Tom and Marie. Now, that's my parents' name. And he says, but he told me that. He says, I was really shook because right, right at that time, my father was dating my mother, and they got married not long after that. Not long after uh, that, you know, that guy told the story, my parents got married. So that was really weird. Like, I, you know, it made me wonder if what we heard when we were fishing that night, was it, did we actually hear the spirits of these of this couple, yes, yeah, so, so going through the woods. This pond is basically at that reservoir. Then it is at that reservoir, correct? Yeah, it's only maybe a oh, hundred yards or so, maybe a little more than that, away from the reservoir. And it's, I believe, the spring probably comes right out of the rocks there and fills this little divot in the ground that's only about forty feet in diameter. Mm-hmm. You know, I don't have any more information about that story, but I just thought that was, I, I was just astounded that he told me that. And he had never mentioned that site before. And it just seemed, I wonder what we heard in the first place. Was that the spirit of those, of that couple that was echoing through the woods at night? And then that dog happened to howl right at the end of when he killed her. I don't know. It was very bizarre. Yeah, that's really interesting. From where you were fishing would that pond have been in that direction where you heard the sounds yes absolutely absolutely oh yeah that's really compelling okay so now we're stacking up things i'm guessing you've listened to strange familiars enough to know that i very much enjoy when we start stacking up things when we get ghosts and bigfoot and and so forth i i I agree no no i think back of the the things that happened of course you know when we were fishing that night hearing that couple moaning and whatever and the dog howling and then the footsteps coming up the road and the whimpering and then of course the weird whatever the hell we heard in the woods one part of me kind of relates them all together because what if it wasn't you know the spirit of these couple maybe maybe there was let's just assume for a minute that it was 
whatever, Bigfoot, if you want to call it that, and there was maybe, maybe there was some sort of scuffle or encounter between two of these creatures, and maybe there was even more than that. I don't know. And, and something happened. They, they separated, and one come up to, to our right, and the sound that we heard going down the road was not, you know, the warden or the patrolman and a dog. Maybe it was one of these creatures. And before it got to the opening there, there are paths that would lead you up the hill there that it could have taken and waited up on top of the hill for another one to meet up with them. And I say that now because that reservoir is open to the public now to fish it. And I've been down there. Last year I was down there several times with my sister and looked around at some things. I didn't see anything unusual. But, you know, I thought about it when I was walking down that road. Well, here we are walking down the road, and it's like we're right next to one another. I can't hear her footsteps, so I can't even hear my own. How come I can hear these footsteps? We, my father and I both heard these footsteps coming down the road, and it made me think, well, if it was a much heavier creature, then it very well could have made louder footsteps that we heard coming down the road. And maybe due to the fact that it was involved in what we've heard in the first place on the other side of the lake in some sort of altercation that it may have been injured and it, the creature itself may have been actually whimpering from an injury or something like that. Yeah. And unless it had grabbed a dog. <laughs> well, that's possible too, right? Yeah. That's a good yeah. point. Cause, uh, a lot of stories I've heard that these type of creatures don't really care for dogs too much. No, you don't want to let your dogs out if they're around. That's for sure. I love my dog, so I won't do that. <laughs> like, at what point did you think Bigfoot? Did you think Bigfoot at the time? or No, I absolutely did not. I didn't think Bigfoot until, I want to say, last year. Okay. And that's because I was listening to Sasquatch Chronicles at the time, and I don't remember who his guest was that he had on, but this fella talked about the sound here, and they played a vocalization. And when they did, I was just, I was dumbstruck. I, I, I couldn't believe it. It's like... That's the sound I heard. That's what I heard. Yeah, I, I wish I knew what episode that was. I'd love to hear the sound. You know, and I, I had I had found it on another compilation of vocalizations that has since disappeared from YouTube, so I wish I could have pointed you to it because I've been looking for it again myself. I often listen to vocalizations and hear nothing like what I heard on, uh, on Wes's show. It's definitely on one of his shows. If I, I, I'm not a, I, I don't subscribe to his channel but uh, I would like to, and if I do and I find that, I would certainly send it to you. Yeah. But I have another story I'd like to portray to you also, if you don't mind. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. Go for it. Well, this story was handed down to me from my father. It happened to my father and my mother back in 1965 when they were dating. And they went on a double date. My mother's best friend and my father's best friend, the four of them went. They went out to the movies or whatever, and I guess they got a few beers, and they they were driving a 1949 Mercury, which is a big car, and they parked on this dirt road, and this dirt road, as it turns out, is a road that leads directly to that reservoir, and it is about, as the crow flies, about a mile, maybe a mile and a half north of the reservoir. Now, this whole area is built up a lot more than, than it was even when I was a kid, and certainly a lot more than it was in 1965. There was very few houses in this area at the time. So the four of them, my, my parents, when they were still dating, and, and their two best friends, they're, they're double dating, and they park on this road. 
the two girls were in the back seat, and my father and his best friend were in the, were in the front, and they're all just jabbering away and uh, sipping a few beers. Well, the guys were anyway. My mother was not a, much of a drinker. Anyway, at some point, my father and his best friend, Nelson, they get out of the car to relieve themselves, and you know, they step out of the car, light up a cigarette, and they're talking, probably gabbing about the girls and whatnot. And my father told me they heard a hellacious noise, a scream that my father said, I don't even know what the hell made this scream. He says it was so loud and it was immediately followed by a big thud. Now this road was directly adjacent to a big marshland area that was probably, um, it's a big marsh. I'm going to guess that it's, I mean, the marsh itself is probably a good 12 acres or something like that. And there was also some cow pasture nearby, and my dad and his friend figured that, you know, maybe a, you know, a cow got killed or whatever for however it happened. But it, he said it was just something screaming out, almost like an agony. And it was so loud, he said, and then immediately followed by a thud. And they were, like, looking at each other, like, what the hell was that? And they just stood, and they waited, and they waited, and, and they're listening, and, you know, they don't hear anything. So they're smoking their cigarettes, and, and then, you know, after a few moments go by, my father's friend said to me, he says, he says Tom, you, do you hear that? And my father listened, he goes, yeah, I, I hear footsteps. Well, they're listening, and as, as time is going by, the footsteps seem to be getting louder and louder, and they're bipedal footsteps. So it's a, it's a moonlit night, and down the length of the road in the trees, they could make out some kind of a figure walking down the road. And yeah, they're like, what the hell is it? They're, they're straining to, to get a better look, but it, it looks sometimes walking down the road towards them. And then my father said, it's like it caught sight of them and it started running towards them. And they got freaked out. The two guys ran back, jumped in the car. They were obviously shaken by it because my, fa- my father said my, my mother and her friend, they, you know, they're like, what's going on? What's going on? I don't know. There's something out there. It's like my father stuck in the car and he threw it in drive. And as soon as he threw it in drive, my father said the back end of the car went up in the air, lifted up in the air. The tires were just spinning. He threw it in reverse, nothing. The tires were spinning. He threw it in drive, and then whatever it was dropped the car, dropped the back end of the car, and they sped off down the road. Wow. You're going to love this, Tim. You're going to love this because I said to my dad, I said, well, you know, did you see anything? He said, well, that's the weird part, he says. When I had the car in reverse and the backup lights were on, yeah, I saw something. He could only see it from, you know, he could see the chest area of this whatever it was. And he's told me, he told me this story many times growing up and I'd have him tell me it over and over. I wanted to know it just like my grandkids now want me to tell stories over and over because they want to know the stories. They want to remember them. And I love that, you know, to sure. kind of pass on these stories and orally. And I, I really, I really dig that. So, so he said that in his rear view mirror, he saw something that had a very, very broad chest, but it wasn't hair covered. You're going to love this, Tim. He said it looked like it was wearing a red flannel shirt. Oh, my goodness. And that's one of the things that compelled me to call you in particular, not just because you're a PA boy, but when I first saw a flannel master, I thought, what the hell is a flannel man? 
and I listened to the stories, and I'm like, I never heard of such a thing. And then I, I started thinking about my dad and what he said he saw. That wow. Whatever was, this was a 1949 Mercury. The car weighed two tons. Yeah. He lifted the back end of this car up in the air. Wow. And all he saw, he didn't see a face. He, you know, he, he couldn't tell me how big it was other than that it was a very broad-chested whatever. And he said it looked like it had a red flannel shirt on. And, you know, we always kind of, I always kind of thought that was really corny, you know? I mean, like, wow, there's a big farmer out there? What, lifted up your car? It's like, he had to have to be a hell of a guy to lift the back end of that car up in the air. Sure, yeah, yeah, wow. You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to plan the travel experiences you'll have once you arrive. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, excursions, and more in one place. There are over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from, so you can find something for everyone. And Viator offers free cancellation and 24-7 customer support for worry-free travel. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. Sick of being upsold at gyms? My guy, you're currently a base member. For $90 more, I can upgrade you to our Shred membership. For $130 more, you'll be a swole member. And for just $300 more, you'll reach Sweat Platinum. At Planet Fitness, you'll get energy without the upsell. Never pushy, always free fitness training and equipment for every workout. It's fitness that fits your budget. Join Planet Fitness for just $1 down and $10 a month. Cancel anytime. Deal ends Friday, May 10th. See Home Club for details. I thought for sure, because I have collected, a, it's in my most recent book, I've collected a a story of someone who's parked in that area. I write about Toad Road, who had the rear end of their car lifted up and dropped. They were parked there with their girlfriend, and uh, and this was in the 70s, so it was a big, heavy car, too. And they said whatever it was literally lifted the back end up and dropped it. They never saw it either. They, you know, they, it, we presume it was a Bigfoot creature, but you know, it's, they never, they never caught eyes on it. They could never see whatever it was, but whatever it was right. lifted the back end of their car up and dropped it. And I mean, it's, it, uh, cars today are heavy enough, but those old cars were heavy. Absolutely. You know, we're talking steel well, frames. No, uh, that, that was up in my neck of the woods, was it? The, uh, the story I collected. Yes. No, no, that was York County. So that was, you know. Oh, oh okay, okay. Local to me, but still, well, I mean, that's uh, pretty awesome to hear another story of, of, you know, the back end of a car being picked up like that. That's, that is awesome. And, you know, it made me think of something else, Tim, that I wanted to tell you about. And that was, I'm sure you probably remember there was a, a magazine. It was out probably in the 50s. I think it was out even in the 40s. It was called Amazing Stories. Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay. Well, I didn't really read that magazine, but uh, I, I, I can't find it again. But at one time online, I found a, a number of stories. It was about caves and caverns, and they were all from the Amazing Stories magazine. And, boy, just some bizarre stories of different types of strange beings that people have encountered in caves, you know, like at Mount Shasta, all across the United States. But really uh, what I wanted to tell you, but there were some stories there where – uh, particularly about miners. And I remember the one story in particular about these miners that were trapped. I think it was a coal mine. There was a cave-in, and these men were trapped underground. And they talked about how they were sitting there in virtual darkness, and a doorway opened. 
and light came out of it, and out of this doorway stepped a man in a, in a flannel shirt. Yes. And he said to them that, you know, it's okay, fellas, everything's going to be okay. At least that's how I remember the story. It's been a while since I read it. And then he just kind of walked away, and he was gone. And yeah. those guys were eventually rescued, and they all said they saw the same thing. Have you ever heard that story? Yes, it is the, uh, hold on, I'll actually get the name of the mine here, because I have the story saved. The mine collapse was in the 1940s, I believe it was in Kentucky. It was the Belva Mine Disaster in Pineville, Kentucky. Okay. And, and yeah, they said this guy dressed in a flannel shirt, they said he was dressed like a lumberjack, who uh, walked out of the side of the mine, and he told them everything's going to be okay. And they all saw him. So multiple guys saw him. And then he just walked back through this door, I guess. And it closed him. And it, it, the, the doorway either disappeared or it was solid rock, you know, after he walked through it. Right. And uh, that is, the, Isn't that amazing? They were then rescued after that. Yeah, that's good. That means I'm not crazy. I didn't, I didn't yeah. just make that up. So. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it was it was. The well, I was really thrilled. I, you know, when I, when, I, when I was, of course, I, I, when I wrote you... Uh, the letter and tell you about my experience. And then I thought, well, geez, I have to tell him about, about the, well, what we always refer to as the monster road incident, but that road leads directly to that reservoir. And like I said, it's only a mile and a half as the crow flies. And though it's much more built up now than it, than it was back then, even to this day, you could travel through the woods and no one would know you were there. I mean, there's patches of woods that anybody could, could, you know, make their way through and be unseen. Mm-hmm. But uh, how bizarre is that to have that happen not far from that reservoir? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Well, again, it's the, the stacking of, of this phenomena. You know, I, I will say it's so bizarre, but we have, uh, by we, I mean Josh and I, for the Bigfoot book we're writing, we've collected more than one story of of Bigfoot wearing flannel shirts, as absolutely silly as that sounds and bizarre as well, that sounds. Well, it doesn't sound silly to me because I, I have heard some encounters where some folks said that they that they saw what looked like uh, you know the creature was wearing some sort of clothes even haphazardly mm-hmm. and i guess you know if these things are as intelligent as we think they are because they do certainly seem to be very intelligent they may try and mimic those things they certainly mimic people's voices i know you've had people on your show that talked about when uh you know like they'll be calling like somebody's dogs and they're trying to mimic their voice and stuff like that, which is really creepy all on its own. Oh yeah. Yeah. The the implications of that are extremely creepy, you know, because it, it means they understand not just how to mimic, but probably that it's a name, you know, uh, it, the, presumably they're, they're calling the dog for a reason. Right. Uh, although they've learned pe- but, you know, people's I, names too. I have too. to say this, that, that I'm with you when it comes to, I certainly believe that these are flesh and blood creatures. I've, I have been fascinated with this since I was a kid and I have listened to so many encounters and I have to say all the encounters I've listened to, I've only heard a couple of people that I thought, yeah, I don't know if they're telling the truth, but most people are so sincere that I, I can't doubt them and what they've seen. They've certainly seen something. And, but I, I with you in the, in, in the fact that I, they certainly seem like a flesh and blood creature, but at the same time, bizarre things happen around them. Mm-hmm. Bizarre yeah. things, uh, I mean, you know, uh, that are tied in with other paranormal things. I, I can't explain it. I know some people associate them with UFOs. I mean, I don't know about that. I've certainly seen some UFOs in my life. I've seen some bizarre things in my life. I've had many paranormal experiences. 
I haven't had one recently. I guess the last time I, I had any experience was about five years ago, but I've seen a lot of weird things in my life that are just, uh, I can't explain. We'll get right back to our interview with Jeff, but I did want to mention here that Strange Familiars is brought to you by our patrons. We have to thank our patrons every episode because we don't get any other support at this time. We don't have any advertisers. That may change, but at this point, we just have our patrons. And that's what's keeping us on a weekly schedule. Absolutely. (laughs) That's why we can bring you so much content, and we will continue to bring you content, and you can get extra content if you're a patron. $3 a month gets you extra content. We do at least one extra show. Sometimes we do more. We've been trying to do more. Two shows some months, three shows other months, but you get at least one full episode of Strange Familiars Extra every month for being a patron. You don't have to just wake up and see Flannel Man. To help Strange Familiars. Yeah, to help Strange Familiars. (laughs) Exactly. And there's other levels of support there. You can get stuff like t-shirts, stickers, and more. You can go check it out. Patreon.com slash Strange Familiars. If you don't like the idea of a monthly subscription like Patreon, you can make a one-time donation. Check out our show notes at strangefamiliars.com. There's a paypal.me link, and you can make a one-time donation via PayPal. Another way you can help is to give us those nice five-star reviews at iTunes or Stitcher or wherever you listen, including YouTube now. Mm -hmm. Add us on YouTube. Subscribe to us on YouTube. Subscribe to us wherever you listen. And once again, thanks to the patrons. And let's get back to our interview with Jeff. I certainly believe that there is uh, other dimensions out there where, where certainly the you know spirits live. I mean, there's no doubt about it in my mind. I mean, I don't see how you can't even believe that at this point. It's it, it seems pretty obvious, so. There's definitely more to the world than than we understand. And that's the point I I sometimes try to make when I go off on these weird Bigfoot tirades, that they could be natural creatures, you know, but they have to just be fraught with abilities that we don't understand. And they they live in ways that we don't understand, that, that nothing else on Earth lives that way that we know of, no other animal. That doesn't mean they're not, they're not perfectly natural. It just means they have a lot, a lot of you know, very, very specialized kind of uh, abilities. Uh, if it's evolution, they're they're the kings of evolution, I'll tell you that, because they have very, very specialized traits, at least uh, if, you know, we can believe all these witness reports, and I tend to believe them, because that's the, I think it's the best evidence we have, really. I, I do, too. I do, too. And, and, I, and, and another thing I think is, you know, just based on all the strange things that I have seen in my life, I mean, I've seen... You know, uh, I, I've seen a number of UFOs. I've had some amazing experiences and experienced some rather frightening things that I've come to realize after all these years. Uh, there's not only my family, but there are friends that have l- liked to hear uh, the stories of, you know, things that have happened to me, things that have happened to my family and stuff. And when they hear them, they're amazed by it. But I love the fact that people will they start looking back at their own lives and they realize that, hey, wait a minute, you know, this happened to me. This was a bizarre thing that happened to me. And you realize that I think well, most people have some sort of bizarre incident that happens in their life. And most people just rationalize it and put it behind them and don't think about it anymore. 
I'm not that person. I have to keep investigating and uh, trying to understand it and listening to other people. I, I want to understand these things and, and, and try and know what's going on. I, I'm not a foolish person. I be, you know, to some extent, I believe in scientists. As an example, that I, one thing that I think is really interesting, and, uh, you know, Einstein came up with the theory of relativity, explaining all the, all the large objects in the heavens. And we have, we have the theory uh, of quantum physics that explains all the tiny things. And those theories don't mesh with one another. <laughs> but about 15 years ago, uh, physicists, including, including Michio Kaku, I, I, you probably know who that is. He's been on many news stations. He's a very nice, nice man, and, mm -hmm. and, he, and he dumbs physics down for somebody like me. And he worked on the, on the string theory project. And the string theory really brings the theory of relativity and quantum physics together if the string theory is correct. But that also is just a theory. And the thing that he prevents, it from, uh, prevents them from proving it is the fact that what is needed is extra dimensions. And according to physicists, they insist that these dimensions exist mathematically, you know, through all their physics. These dimensions are there, but we don't know how to access them. And this is really where scientists... And whatever, whatever science, uh, field of science they're in, whether it's archaeology or anthropology or whatever it is, they need to get their heads out of their butts because they need to start looking at other things like all these people that are out there doing research on Bigfoot, on ghosts, on whatever. That's where they really need to start looking, I think, because that's where the answers actually are. Well, it's not my area of specialty, but Josh has told me a lot about psi research, and there are really kind of cutting-edge things going on there. I would encourage people to look into that because they're kind of on the edge of that kind of stuff. And, uh, you know, there may be more people looking in that direction in the future. But, like I said, I, I just don't, I don't know enough about it other than to say, you know, Josh has told me some really cool things. So Yeah. Well there's yeah, there's a lot of things going on out there. I don't particularly have any more any more Bigfoot stories to tell you, but if you ever want to know any UFO stories or paranormal stories, I'm glad to to tell you everything I know, but it may take hours. Well, I would be failing at my job if I didn't ask, but before we move on, and maybe we'll just get a couple and then uh, if there's too many we can always schedule a part two, but before I move on from Bigfoot, so growing up in Pennsylvania and being interested in Bigfoot, did you have any idea that Bigfoot was in Pennsylvania or any thought that Bigfoot was in Pennsylvania when you were young? No, I didn't. I guess I, like like a lot of people, I just thought it was something that lived out west. Right. You know. Yeah. However, uh, I guess maybe about 15 years ago, I was turned on to uh, Alba Twitches. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. And because uh, I had a friend that lived down in Lehighton at one time in his life, and uh, yeah, that's where he heard the stories, and he told me about them. And I did a little research on them, and I uh, thought that was pretty interesting. And up here, you know what? I'll tell you one thing that's kind of strange is up here, uh, in, in, there has been at least three sightings over the course of the last five decades in northeastern Pennsylvania of white Bigfoots. Now, there was one maybe 10 years ago that happened in Carbondale. Uh, there's a video of it on online. I don't know if that's real or not. If it was somebody in a mask, I don't know. But they saw one. There was one in Pike County back in the 70s that I remember. That was a small, maybe juvenile, that was white. And there was another store, but I can't place where it was. But I know it was in Northeast PA. And these were all white 
Bigfoots. Yes. And I think that's kind of interesting. Yeah, and I've got uh, reports, you know, White Bigfoot in my Bigfoot Pennsylvania book going back to at least the early 1900s, if not the 1800s. Yeah, you yeah. Know, I think they called it the white, the white-haired terrifier back then. But uh, yeah, yeah. So they're they're around. You know, I I don't know what I don't know what that is either. I don't know if there's an albino population or part of me wonders if they don't live longer than we think. You know, maybe it, it's the same creature people are seeing over the course of a long, long time, but I don't know, you know, I, I, well, that's possible. Well, I did, I did kind of make a connection there that, you know, I read this story not too long ago. I think it, and it might've been on the BFRO report of one that happened in, I believe it was Pike County or maybe Monroe County, which is around Stroudsburg area. Uh, and this person saw this white, I believe it was uh, a rather small, maybe juvenile one in that area. And that was back in maybe 74, and I thought, well, is it possible that that's the same one that was possibly seen up there in Carbondale area? I don't know. Mm-hmm. So, you know, that, that could be connected. I, I'm not really sure that. Yeah. I don't have any other Bigfoot stories. Although my father did tell me that when he was in high school that there was, uh, that near Chapman Lake, which is in Montdale, Pennsylvania, which is not far from, from even that reservoir, that, you know, they were having a high school party at a house on this lake. And one of the girls who happened to be upstairs in this house she was in the bathroom, and she tore out of the bathroom screaming that something was looking in the window at her. And all the guys ran outside figuring somebody put a ladder up. I was trying to sneak a peek at this girl using the bathroom. And, uh, well, there was no ladder outside, and the bathroom window was uh, at least 10 feet off the ground. Hmm. And she swore that, you know, there was a face plugged right in the window there staring at her. I mean, you know, so I, that, that's, a, that's the only other Bigfoot story I can really think of uh, from that, uh, that I'm connected with anyway. That's always one of my creepiest things. Like, I like I never want to look out the window and see something peeking in. <laughs> if, <laughs> right. if, if I'm out in the woods <laughs> looking true. for it, that's one thing. You know, even if it finds me first, uh, you know, at least I'm out in the woods. But to be in your house and look at the window, and, and there's so many stories of people seeing them looking in the window. Like, oh, man, when it's night, I have the shades pulled. Yeah, I hear you, but I, you know, I mean, I'm not a person that goes out. My sister's always trying to get me to go out into the woods and and uh, and look for a big. I don't do that. I'm in the woods plenty, and I just keep my eyes open. I I keep my eyes open every day because all the experiences that I've had in my life, whether they're UFO, paranormal, or whatever, I mean, they just happen. You you never know when they're going to happen, so you just be aware, and that's what I I do, and I just I look for those strange things to happen. Well, let's get a couple of these UFO stories. About how many have you seen? Like, it sounds like you've seen... Well, I, I have seen five strange things. Now, two that I saw, I saw in Nevada, and it was near Nellis Air Force Base. They were very bizarre. But the, the most incredible one that I ever saw, Tim, was in 1978. And I was 10 years old at the time. It was in the spring. It was a warm night out, and it was a Friday or Saturday night. Where we lived, we lived on my grandparents' property. They had a house and a garage, and we lived on the same property in a, in a, in a, in a mobile home. And my dad was really big into table tennis. He was a ping-pong player, which was kind of weird because he used to compete, and he'd be competing against little Asian men. And my dad was 6'3 and 300 pounds, but, boy, he loved to play that sport. He was really <laughs> crazy about that. So we had a we had a ping pong table in our garage, and he was in the garage with his mother, my grandmother, and they were they were playing. My sister and I, my sister, uh, my oldest sister is two years younger than me, so she was ten at the time. I was twelve, uh, 
and we were sitting right outside the garage door, and, you know, nice warm evening, maybe around 10 o'clock at night, and uh, we're just sitting there chatting, and then all of a sudden, up over the top of the trees, this object started coming towards us, and I almost went into shock immediately when I saw this thing, because... Growing up, my dad and I were really big into airplanes. We built model airplanes, the balsa wood ones and all that stuff, flew some airplanes. I mean, I knew every airplane from World War One, World War Two, fighter planes, bomber planes. You know, we were really into that. We watched movies about airplanes, loved it. I know airplanes fly. I know what it takes to make them fly, keep them in the air, all this stuff. So when I saw this thing come over the trees and I knew it was not an airplane, I stood up, my sister stood up, and... I couldn't even speak. I was trying to move my arm to nudge her to go and get my father, and I finally got the words out to say, go get Daddy, you know. So she ran over you know, a couple steps and looked in the garage and told my grandmother and my father, come on outside. And the four of us stood there, and this thing came towards us. It was coming directly north. It was coming out of the south, right towards us. And, Tim, it was just remarkable. This thing was shaped like a boomerang. And I'm telling you that it was enormous. I would guess that it was at least 400 feet across. And it was not up in the sky very high. I would say only about 1,000 feet up in the air. It had pale yellow lights. I don't remember how many of them were. They made up the outline of this object. That's how you knew it was boomerang shaped. And it had one enormous pale yellow light right in the center of it. And it was hardly moving. I mean, barely moving. Obviously, no airplane could move that slow and stay aloft. Mm -hmm. Here it came towards us. It made a noise, but very little. It was a very slight humming noise you could hear. And it came towards us, and it stopped directly over us. And we were like deer in the headlights. I mean, we watched this thing for 10 minutes, or it watched us, I guess you could say. And it, it, we were just mesmerized looking up at this thing in the sky, how big it was, and just stopped dead in the air like that. And after about 10 minutes, it started to move again. And it continued north just a little bit, and then it made, it made a left-hand turn, and not like an airplane. It didn't, you know, it had no momentum at that time. It was barely moving. And, of course, an airplane, when it turns, it has to, it has to bank this did not bank. It, it turned on a flat plane and headed in a westerly direction. And as it moved in a westerly direction, it started to pick up speed just a little bit, and then it turned completely vertical. And when it did, it shot off into the sky, and it left this trail of pink-purple trail behind it. And it was, I mean, it was gone, and it just took off. It was incredible. Wow. And it was one of the greatest things that ever happened to me, and I'll tell you why. I was in sixth grade at the time, and the next day it was in the paper. Because just over the mountain from us, down in the valley, where there's just town after town adjacent to one another, at least a dozen people saw it. So it was in the newspaper the next day. And that was great for me, because you see, I clipped that article out of the paper, because Monday morning in school was something that I dreaded every week, and that was current events. Bring an article in from the paper, read the article, and then what do you think about it? You know, whatever, politics, right. a murder, whatever it is. I hated that. I, I well, I was the star of the show. That was, that was my 15 minutes of fame in life right there. So, <laughs> wow. So, I mean, everybody was mesmerized telling the story, but it was such an incredible thing. But, you know, since I told you that, I want to tell you about a dream that I had. 
Well, let me if let me just mind. note. Let me note before we move on. 1978 in Pennsylvania was a huge year for UFOs. Absolutely massive. They were seeing them all over the state in 1978. So that's true. But you know what disappoints me? And uh, I I have to make another trip to the library because I no longer have that clipping, and I've been looking for it in the in the archives, and I haven't found it yet. I know it happened in the spring. Because I know I was, you know, I was in sixth grade at that time, and it was warm out, but it was not summertime yet because I was still in school, and I haven't found the article. And another thing, I've, I've looked on like the MUFON reports and stuff like that, and there's no mention of it, and I was kind of disappointed that how did they miss that one? <laughs> yeah, yeah. I, well, I mean, not everybody catches everything. I'm trying to catalog all the Bigfoot sightings just in my county, and uh, every yeah. now and then one will crop up, and I'm like, how did I miss that one? You know? <laughs> Do you know what paper it was in? Well, that would I guess I, there was a couple of papers out of Scranton at the time, so I don't know if it was the the Sunday the Sunday Tribune or the Scranton the uh, the Sunday Times. I don't remember which. So I've been I spent some time at the library already, going through all the old microfilms there of several of those papers. But I think I have I, I think I might have to actually go back to April or May to find it. I was looking at June probably the beginning of June, and I did look at at least part of May. Uh, so I just know it was in the spring. That's but, all I That's all I could say for sure. It was definitely a Scranton paper, though. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. I'll give a look in the newspaper archive, see what I can find. Oh, that's cool. That was the greatest one that I ever saw. Now, I saw another one from our same property uh, maybe uh, when I was, I'm going to say when I was about 16. My dad sent me out to start the car one night. We were going to my my mother's parents' house, and of course my mom and dad were having it, were bickering about something in the house. And he said, "Go and start the car," because it was an October night, a little chilly. So I went down to start the car, and I looked to the east. Now my grandma was great; she bought me telescope and binoculars when I was a kid. I was always looking up at the sky, looking at constellations, looking at the moon and whatnot. And uh, I look up in the in the east sky, and I and I see this bright light. I think, what is that? It's not Venus. It was too big to be Venus, and it was sort of a pale yellow kind of color. It was not, not as bright and crisp as, as Venus is. And I, I'm thinking, that's not right. That doesn't belong there. And I yelled up to the house. I'm about a good 50 feet away from the house, and I'm yelling for my father. And he finally comes to the door, and he opens the door. He was in the middle of bickering with my mom, I think. And, uh, and he says, wow, what do you want? I said, you've got to come and see this. He runs down the stairs, and it was so strange because when he run down the, uh, the steps of the house, it was almost like it hurt him, and it shot. Across the sky instantly. I mean, it was in the we in the east, and then instantly it was in the west, and it left a trail of light through the sky that even my father could see. It was incredible. Wow! And it was gone. What year was that? That was. Uh, I'm going to say that was around '82. You know, I didn't see a shape of it. It was just a it just a light. That's all it was. Mm-hmm. The last strange incident that I've had in my life was about five years ago, and it was another UFO and. That happened up near Carbondale, which is actually famous for there was a, a very famous UFO crash, supposedly crashed into a reservoir up in Carbondale. That was back in the in the seventies also. And it was uh, they talked about it all across the country. I'm sure you know about it. Uh-huh. And the story was that these, these kids saw this light land in the reservoir and we were watching on I never forget watching on the news and after hours of divers being down there, a diver comes out of the lake holding a lantern. And they expected us to believe that that's what it was. Well, if it was a lantern, why the hell did it take you so long to swim down to the bottom of the lake and pick it up? I don't get that. 
But, yeah. you know, the story had it. There was rumors that, you know, the military showed up with a flatbed. They took something out of the lake. I don't know if they did or not. But, I mean, it seemed awfully strange to me, even as a child, that how could these guys be down in the lake that long? And what? I mean, if a diver goes down there, you swim down to the light and you pick it up and you come back and say, hey, it's a lantern. I mean, but they were down there for hours. I don't understand that. Uh, yeah. Very strange. Yeah, I was trying to think where it was here that they were uh... – they were saying it was Chinese lanterns uh, as well. Right. It just didn't float, whatever, you know, whatever it was. I actually did. I got fooled by Chinese lanterns maybe uh, maybe 10 years ago. Uh, I, I saw I saw one fly over my house. I didn't know what it was. And my wife said she was so thrilled that she finally got to see a UFO. And we were mesmerized. Like, wow, look at that. It was beautiful, you know, in this orange glowing light. And then 10 minutes went by, and we see another one. Mm-hmm. And it follow the exact same path we actually saw four of them all together i'm like what the hell is this and we'd watch them fly away they would were coming east to west and then they would abruptly make a turn to the north and then they would fade away you know we saw like i said about four of them and like we didn't have any idea until a couple days later i was driving down the road and i i happened to find one of them on the side of the road and i had to bring it home and show my wife and tell her that I'm sorry, honey, but we got fooled. These were Chinese lanterns, and she was very disappointed. <laughs> I was just about to say I was temporarily fooled myself not too long ago. It was a few years back. My wife and I were – it was right here in, in Redline where we live, and we started seeing these lights floating around. I'm like, what? And then well, I realized they were in, in a line, and then after a while I was like, oh, those are Chinese lanterns. Somebody's floating Chinese lanterns. But I was taken for a time too, you know. But they're really yeah, beautiful. Yeah. <laughs> they are beautiful. Well, you know, there is one thing that, since I got you on the phone, if you don't mind listening, I would love to tell you about this dream that I had. And it's a dream that I that I, that I I have told, you know, a family member. It's a very bizarre dream. And it was one of them dreams that I, well, I really thought I was awake. Mm-hmm. When, I was a, when I was a kid, now, I, I'm, I'm one of five kids, and I'm the oldest. And growing up, well, we grew up with only three television stations. <laughs> and, uh, of course, I liked creepy movies when I was a kid. I don't really care for them that much now, but I did when I was a kid. And on Friday nights up in our area, we had uh, this old gentleman was on TV. He used to wear one of them, I forget what you call them, those, those Shriner caps. And he was a magician. He was called, his name was Uncle Ted. And he had this show on Friday nights. It was called Uncle Ted's Ghoul School. There would be two movies on Friday nights. And they'd start at 1130 after the news came on. And, and some of them, they were old movies, sometimes from the 60s. Sometimes they were black and white, and they were often lame. Mm-hmm. But it's all we had. And, you know, my parents had let me. It was a Friday night. I, they'd go to bed. I'd stay up late and watch these shows. So this one particular Friday, I watched. I might have, I don't know if I watched both of the shows or not, but I went to bed. And, and uh, when we were in my house, we never had any night lights on. All the lights were out in the house at night. And we lived out in the country. There was really no closest one to us was my grandparents. They were about a uh, hundred feet away or so, but uh, there was no ho- other houses real close. It's not like I could see some lights at the neighbor's house, but so anyway, I shut all the lights up and I go to bed and the room I was in, we had bunk beds. And for whatever reason, I went to bed in the bottom bunk. I usually slept in the top, but I slept in the bottom bunk that night. I don't know why I did, but I did. And I fell asleep and I wake up and realized that the living room light is on. Now, when I went to bed, it was probably 2 o'clock in the morning, at least. And I opened my eyes. I could see that the living room light was on, because from my bedroom, I could see the light being cast down the hallway. We lived in a mobile home. And in our, and actually, in my bedroom, 
we didn't even have a door on my bedroom because it was so small that uh, it would get so hot in there. Uh, we just took the door off. It was much easier because of the bunk beds. There wasn't enough room in there. So I see that the living room light is on. And I thought, well, that's strange. And I got up out of bed. And I walked out of my room and, and just two steps to the left, and I was in the living room. And I walk into the living room, and you had the lights on, and there's three people sitting in my living room. And, Tim, I don't know who they are. And they seem normally dressed, I guess you could say. But as I entered the living room, their heads, all three of them, just turned at the same time and looked at me. And they had, man, they had these weird eyes, man. They were big eyes, big green glowing eyes. And man, I just freaked. I ran back into my bed and jumped to bed. And I kept saying, I, I'm dreaming. I, I've got to, I got to get out of this dream. I got to get out of this dream. And then I, I was at peace again. I, I, I felt like I fell back. Well, I felt like I fell asleep or whatever, right? So I, I wake up again. At least, I, I guess you could say in my dream, I wake up again. I'm laying on this bottom bunk, and I could, I could see out in the hallway now. It, the, there's no lights on in the house, but I, I'm assuming the moon was off because there was just enough light penetrating the house that, you know, if, I could, if, if there was something dark enough that walked past my room, I could see it. And I swear I saw something walk past my room. Hmm. Well, uh, I, I'm, I'm just laying there and I'm watching. And I, to my, I really feel that I, I feel wholeheartedly that I'm awake. I don't feel I'm in a dream. I feel I'm awake. And I never really felt like that before in a dream. And I, I, oh my gosh, and something else just walked past my bedroom door again. I seen another dark figure walk past my door. And I think, what the, what was that? And then I see another one walk past my door and I flinched. And when I did, it stopped and it turned its head. And when it turned its head, I saw its eyes. And Tim, its eyes were huge. I mean, they were like, its eyes were like as big as goose eggs. And it saw me and it looked right at me. And buddy, I was petrified. I was frozen. I couldn't move. And it walked up to me and it bent down and it put its face right in my face. I mean, inches away from my face and I'm staring at the incredibly green glowing eyes and it's looking right at me and I, I could see its skin and its skin is like pale and kind of veiny looking on its face and its eyes are just enormous and they're, they, I guess they had maybe a black pupil in the center, but the eyes themselves were, were eyes are white. They were, they were green and they were huge. And I was petrified. I couldn't move. I couldn't speak. I couldn't scream. I couldn't do anything. And then it just backed up and it walked out of my room. And I just kept saying to myself in my head that I, I'm having a, I'm having a bad dream. I, I got to wake up. I got to wake up. So I was peaceful for a while. I felt that I fell back asleep and I wake up again. And when I wake up, the third time, at least, like I say, in my dream, I see a light come on. And I recognize that it's the light from the other end of the hallway. It's the bathroom light. And I, 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 I was scared, but I wasn't paralyzed at that point. So I got out of bed and I, I walked down the hallway. And, you know, and I'm, I'm creeping down the hallway and the door's open to the bathroom. And I, I'm looking over and looking over and oh, I was so relieved. It was my mother. And I'm their ma. Oh, she goes, everything all right? I said, yeah, I had a really bad dream. I said, oh my gosh, I want to tell you about it. And 
He's all, okay, tell me. So she's standing in front of the sink, and I start telling her about what happened. And all of a sudden, she takes out her toothbrush, and I'm thinking, as I'm telling her the story, I'm thinking, how weird. Why would my mother wake up in the middle of the night to brush her teeth? So she takes her toothbrush out, and she puts toothpaste on it, and then she knelt, sort of knelt down in front of the sink. And as she did, I'm staring right at her, and all of a sudden, it wasn't my mother anymore. It was my father. And I said, Dad? And then he turned his head, and as he turned his head, it wasn't my father anymore. It was that son of a that got in my face with those big green eyes, and he looked at me, and he just laughed. Ooh. And I freaked, and I ran down the hall, and I jumped back in bed. I threw the covers over my head. I said, I'm like, I, I, I got I to gotta wake up. I got to get out of this dream. So a little while later, I wake up again. And I, again, for the fourth time, I feel that I am completely awake. And I am certainly awake this time. And I open my eyes to see the light on in the living room again. Like I told you, I shut all the lights off before I went to bed. Nobody in that house would wake up in the middle of the night and turn the lights off. I got out of bed, and I walked into the living room again. And there was no one in the living room. There was no one in the Everybody was sleeping. But that light was on in the living room. And that's a matter of fact... And I walked over, and I i don't know how I even did this, but I shut that light out, and I went back to bed. Wow. And the next day, I asked my parents. I said, you know, I asked them nonchalantly if either of them were up there in the night, and did you possibly turn the living room light on? And no, both of them said they did not. But that was really bizarre. Now, I have told that story many times to family, and particularly my granddaughter, well, one of my granddaughters, I told her story over many times, and she said something to, to me a couple years ago after I repeated the story to her for, I don't know, the hundredth time or whatever, because I always call it the zombie dream, because I just, I don't know, I not even in, was never even into zombie movies, but I just said they were zombies. Now, of course, you know, lots, lots of folks are into these zombie movies like The Walking Dead, and, of course, she's watched it. I don't watch that show, but... You know, that's not our current interpretation of a zombie. Uh, you know, what I saw in my dream. You know, not you know they're bloody and they look like people, but they're kind of rotten. That's not what I saw. And I described her exactly what I saw. And she said, Poppy, she says, she says that's not a zombie you saw. That's an alien. And, boy, I want to tell you, when she said that to me, it just floored me. And I thought, oh, my God, what if, what if it was? What if I was actually... I'm not saying I was abducted, but somebody else in my house could have been. Well, I don't know. And, and, and that happened That happened uh, not very long after that 1978 UFO incident. And, boy, I'll tell you, when she said that to me, I, I can't tell you, I could still feel right now how that floored me when she said that. Because that never dawned on me before that that was even a possibility. I just called the zombie dream. And it, it always that dream has always bothered me. I, I remember it from so long ago, like it just happened last night. It made such an impression on me. And at every point in that dream, I felt I was completely awake. Right. And uh, that was very bizarre. Well, very bizarre. It has a lot of the, the hallmarks of these. I've come to think of them as out of body experiences. Like, you know, I call them abduction. I think people get a very different idea of that. You know, they, they think you're being taken up in a ship and uh, operated on or something. And, and I, I know some people do claim that that's happened to them, but they seem to be almost out of body experiences in some way. 
I don't know whether we do it to ourselves and then we can access these sort of uh, beings in that, or, or whether they're pulling us out of body, which is an absolutely terrifying concept to me if they can do that. More terrifying than, than if it's just a physical thing, if they can if they can actually pull us out of body. But in any case, what you're saying has all these hallmarks of these other, like these out-of-body experience or, or so-called abduction dreams. Did they yeah. look did they look human other than their eyes? Well, I would say that they were of human height and they were rather thin. Now, I, I I can't tell you exactly what they were wearing, but when I first saw them in the living room, I they seemed to almost be dressed in some normal fashion. I don't remember any weird spacesuits or anything like that. I mean, mm-hmm. they did seem to have clothes on and at first, I just thought they were three people I didn't know until they all turned their heads at the same time and looked at me, and I saw their eyes. They all had these big, goose egg-sized, glowing green eyes, and, and it was, man, I'll tell you, when that thing, when I was laid in that bed, I I don't doubt for a second that I was awake. That thing got in my face within, like, two inches of my face and just stared at it. Like, it just wanted to frighten the hell out of me, and mm. it did. It really did. I mean, I was just... I had a, a bunch of dreams in my life where I was had that like sleep paralysis and, and that's, that's a, I hate that. <laughs> <laughs> and, uh, that was probably the worst ever. I mean, that was just, uh, I mean, I just, there was no getting away from it. I mean, you're stuck there and whatever, whatever that thing wanted to do, if it wanted to do something to you, it would. And it scared me. And, and the other part, when it transformed from my mother to my father to that big and looked at me and laughed, like it knew it was fooling me. It knew it was, like it was like you're just a dumb kid i'll scare the hell out of you it's like you're not even why i'm here or whatever you know i mean that was the impression i got you know yeah I, well so they creepy. seem very intent on demonstrating that they're in control and they can do exactly yeah, what they, they want yeah. like i said it before in mine when i remember that one uh you know what i call my abduction experience the one that, when i was in college I remember protesting, and I don't remember exactly what I was screaming. Now I couldn't speak out loud; I was completely frozen. But I remember protesting, like like thinking, like you don't have the right, or you can't do this, or something like that. And was given a very clear, like mental brush off from them. Like I didn't hear words in my head, but it was just like there. It was just like you don't even matter. You know, right. whatever you're thinking, whatever you're protesting, means nothing to us. Yeah, I really I was just brushed off by them like, nope, you, you know, we're we're here to do what we're doing and, and you mean nothing to us or your protests do anyway. Very, very, very bizarre. bizarre. Do you remember were they of uh, like the, the same height as like the adults in your life at the time? I would say that, um, well, they were under six feet, but, you know, somewhere in the in the five to six foot height, I guess. And like I said, they at least the main one, the one that got in my face I and mean, he was Thin. I mean, almost, uh, I, I would say almost frail looking, you know, mm-hmm. but it was, he was clothed. I mean, I couldn't tell you exactly what his muscle tone was or anything, but I mean, it was certainly not hulking or any, by any means. Did, um, did it seem to have a... You know, and, and, it, and, and it's face. I mean, I certainly remember his face because, I mean, his eyes reflected off my face and I could see his skin and it was, it was pale and, and kind of veiny looking. I mean, I can remember the veins in his face. I mean, veins that it was just, you know, almost as if he was somewhat, you know, uh, I don't know what the word is I'm going to say, but like uh, malnourished, I guess you could say that you could see veins in his face, like, you know, mm-hmm. 
I don't remember if he even had hair. I, I just don't remember that. I, I just, I mean, I, I could see those eyes as if they were right in front of me right now. I mean, it was yeah, just yeah. really, really weird. Do you remember a nose uh, or anything? Or Well, I would say that its nose was kind of small, but sort of uh, almost like withered away. I mean, I guess that's why I always refer to them as, I always refer to it as the zombie dream story, because they almost seem like they were, you know, sort of uh, uh, malnourished or, or, or almost not deteriorating. I wouldn't say he was rotting apart in front of me, but but certainly like uh, uh, some withered away person, I guess you could say, you know? Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. wow. And when you first w- walked into the living room, did you say there were three of them? There were three of them, yes. Yeah, see that and when I when I when I woke up the second time and I saw, I could I could just faintly make out some dark figures passing past my bedroom door. Like I said, there were no lights on at that time, but if there was something, if someone walked by, you would notice it enough, you know, I mean, because mm-hmm. it wasn't that dark in the house, whether the moon was out or whatever, and I, I don't really recall, but uh, very strange. I mean, very strange. And like I said, that did happen very soon after, I mean, I'm going to say within a year of us actually seeing that uh, that that first U, uh, you know UFO that we saw, right. which was just phenomenal. It was phenomenal. I, I I wish I could take anyone back in time to see that because if you saw that and if you had even a little bit of knowledge about how aircraft fly, you would know that this was just not even possible for anything on this planet to to conduct itself in the sky like that. It was just incredible. It was an incredible thing to see. I wish I could have more people see it and they'd be believers. You, if you saw this, you would absolutely believe that those things exist, whatever they are. Yeah. Anything that's ever happened to me in my life, I pass along orally. It's, it's almost like a native Americans, I guess, you know, would just pass things on orally. And that's just kind of what I do, I guess. Well, no, it's a, it's a wonderful thing to, to have these stories in the family. And well, now we got. Oh preserve- God, there's so many of them too, Tim. I mean, I, my sister always says I should be, I should, I should write a book with all the stories that I have because so many things have gone on in our family. I mean, not just to me, but uh, but it's other members of the family. I mean, it, oh my gosh, I mean, all sorts of things. It's it, it, and it just makes me believe that we can't be the only people that this happens to. It must happen to a lot of people, and they just write it off or they. You know, they just try and rationalize it away and, and don't like, a lot of people don't like to talk about things like that. I, I know that because, you know, there are members of my family that don't like to talk about these things. And uh, Yeah, oh, it's, it's absolutely true. And and like you were saying before, I think almost everybody does have something because, you know, as I do the podcast and write the books and stuff, I've gotten, you know, pretty fearless about asking people about it. And a lot of times they'll start out protesting. No, nah, no, nah, I don't have anything. And then you, you, you know, you push it a little bit and you dig a little bit. Or if they get comfortable, a lot of times it's just a matter of them getting comfortable. And then they'll start telling you stuff. You know, uh, I absolutely, I have had the exact same experience in life. That is very true. I mean, a lot of people just don't like to, like I said, sometimes with the neighbors if they're having a cookout, and and some people know my stories. And oh, Jeff, tell us a story, you know, and and I'll tell them a story, and like people are mesmerized by by these things, and. And you always find at least one or two people that say, you know, I, I never really thought about this this way before, but this happened to me or that happened to me. Or mm-hmm. We saw this. And and, uh, and you realize that that's why I really believe that, you know, these things, that whether they're ghosts, whether they're UFOs, whatever, these things happen to a lot more people than we realize. And we just don't hear about it all. That's how it is. Yeah, I, I, absolutely. But it always pays to ask. 
absolutely the case. Uh, I think it happens to more people than uh, not when, when it comes down to it. Just and that's just my experience in talking to people, you know. Yeah. So it's you know it's just a matter of getting them to talk. Well, Jeff, I loved your stories. Every one of them, absolutely loved them. Thank you well, so much. Anytime you want to, anytime you want to contact me, and you want more, buddy, I've got more. I've got uh, some paranormal things that have happened to me. I've been in some, uh, uh, at least one, or well, at least two, I guess, haunted houses where I've had experiences. You know, I've got lots to tell you. I will, and I really love talking, and I love your show. And please keep doing what you're doing. And I, I am going to become a Patreon member, and and I, because I, I, I love your show, and I, I love that you're a Pennsylvania guy, and I love hearing the stories about PA. You know, there's one thing I wanted to ask you about, and I'm I, I looking at your artwork. It's fantastic. And I listened to one show just recently that was a synchronicity show, maybe. It was episode 50. Mm-hmm. Did you do the artwork on that, the, the two moons facing each other? Yeah, yeah, that was me. Uh, buddy, I dig that. Is that available in a shirt? <laughs> it, it is. It's on our T Public site. That is outstanding, man. I, I, of all your artwork, I love that thing the best. That is fabulous. That was done for, so there's a very obscure folk band from the 1970s. They were called uh, COB or Cobb. It stands for Clive's Own Band. They were my absolute favorite band of all time. Their singer had a folk band very temporarily that I had done that artwork for, and uh, he decided for whatever reason not to continue, and they never used the artwork. So uh, it became Strange strange Familiar's artwork then. uh, Well, that is fantastic i want to tell you of all the art we did that is absolutely my favorite when i clicked on that and saw that i was like man that is just one of the coolest pictures i have ever seen i just really dig that and i i will get a shirt of that i'm sure oh thank you i love it all right i love your show and like i said hey anytime you email me or you could you got my number if you want to call me i'm willing to talk to you anytime and i've got Many bizarre things to tell you. If you're looking to tell some space, well, I, I tell you need somebody. I'm your man, buddy. We will definitely circle back, and we'll talk to you again. All right. If you have a story, something strange, if you've seen something weird, ghosts, Bigfoot, UFOs. Flannel Man. Oh, please give me all the Flannel Man. <laughs> what about other tartans? Are you opening any it up for any him? kind of plaid entity, strange entity, and the Bunny Man? All oh, the Bunny Man stories are starting to roll in, and I'm completely fascinated with this. I'm completely fascinated with people seeing these weird guys in bunny costumes out of Easter context. You know, this is this is like in, it's weird enough within the Easter context. Yeah, it's there's some weird Bunny Man stories rolling in. And I'd love to get some more of those. I think it's funny about bunnies are they're probably the least sinister of most animals. Yeah, and that's the thing I think that makes it creepy when you have these, you know, grown men in bunny costumes, like, you know, in these creepy situations. Adults in animal costumes generally are... You're going to you're going to offend (laughs) a portion of fandom. In any case, if you've seen something strange, we'd love to hear about it. We'd love to get your story. Email me. Strange Familiars Podcast at gmail.com. I want to say once again, my email box is a mess. It is a complete mess. If you're waiting for a response from me and it's been a long time, it probably got lost in the mix. I don't mind a gentle reminder. I do not mind that at all, and I'll get back in touch with you. You can always find us at strangefamiliars.com 
all of our contact information is there. Thanks for listening, everybody. We will be back next week with another episode. Strange Familiars is a production of Dark Holler Arts. Music, books, art, podcasts, and more. DarkHollerArts.com Intro and background music is by Stonebreath. Go to stonebreath.bandcamp.com for more. You can find us on Facebook, because we are, according to our children, old. <laughs> <laughs> Facebook.com slash Strange Familiars. We also have the Strange Familiars gathering group there as well, which is a lot of fun. People share stories and connect with other listeners and talk about weird stuff all day. Shall we spin the bottle now, or shall we spin the sky instead? Let's see what reaping brings us then beneath the winding web, beneath the clouds, beneath the sun, or beneath the falling rain, beneath the woven branches high, and through the fields of grain.
placed inside a hollow tree. Support for this podcast and the following message come from Corient. Corient provides wealth management services centered around you. They focus on exceeding your expectations and simplifying your life. Corient has been helping high achievers just like you enjoy their lives more fully, preserve their wealth, and provide for the people, causes, and communities they care about. As one of the largest integrated fee-only registered investment advisors in the U.S., Corient has deeply experienced teams in 23 strategic locations. Corient has extensive knowledge spanning the full spectrum of planning, investing, lending, and money management disciplines. Leverage Corient's exclusive network of experts to craft custom solutions designed to help you reach your financial goals, no matter how complex they may be. Real wealth requires real solutions. For more information, connect with a wealth advisor today at Corient.com. That's C-O-R-I-E-N-T.com. Corient.com. Prescription products require completion of an online medication consultation with an independent healthcare provider through the LifeMD platform and are only available if prescribed. Subscription required. Individual results may vary. Additional restrictions apply at LifeMD.com. Read all warnings before using GLP-1s. Side effects may include a risk of thyroid C-cell tumors. Do not use GLP-1s if you or your family have a history of thyroid cancer. If you've struggled for years to lose weight and have given up hope, did you know you can now access GLP-1 prescription medications through LifeMD? LifeMD is now offering eligible patients online access to GLP-1s, the breakthrough prescription medication that can help you lose body fat and weight. Listen to what people are saying. Probably the easiest thing I've ever done. The medication comes in the mail and it's very easy to use. I've been able to live my normal lifestyle and I've lost 20 pounds already and I've never felt better. It changed my life. And here's the best part. Your insurance may cover 100% of the cost of your medication. So go to TryLifeMD.com to have your eligibility checked right now. Get started today at TryLifeMD.com. That's T-R-Y-L-I-F-E-M-D.com.